Hello, OSU Beavers, Lynn Benton, Roadrunners, and any other guests. Welcome to another episode of the Chi Alpha After Hours podcast, where we take a closer look at what it means to follow Jesus on the college campus and beyond. This episode is a special one because it's Christmas-themed. Today we'll be discussing the topic of gift-giving and generosity, specifically what it means to give ourselves. Your hosts today are Anna, Christian, and Nathan, and we hope and pray this episode helps you as you navigate your relationship with generosity, especially in utilizing it in a Christ-centered, thoughtful way. So in the spirit of Christmas, y'all... Yeah, I love Christmas. Christmas, I know. Christian loves Christmas. So in that in that spirit, let's start with this first question: What is the best gift you've ever received? On Christmas, or just in general? It could be in general. Okay. Yeah, doesn't have to be Christmas. And this has to be like a material gift. Oh, we can't say Jesus. (laughs) That was I was I was gonna wait until you guys answered, and then I was gonna say, oh. The spirit of God, but <laughs> but I guess those are good ideas you, too. You kind of <laughs> whatever yeah, you say. I was yeah. gonna do that, but you kind of <laughs> caught me. So um, I have two main gifts that I can think of. One was I remember it was um, this Christmas. I was feeling so sick. I had I was just like feeling really bad. I had eaten something, and I was just feeling like oh I'm so tired, and I'm like you know, have diarrhea really bad. Like, I'm just like, oh, and it's Christmas Eve. And we, in my family, we open all of our presents on Christmas Eve, except for the Santa Claus gifts the next morning. But at this point, I was an adult, so this is all the gifts I'm getting. It's the Christmas Eve ones, you know? So um, I'm feeling horrible, and I'm going through things, and I'm just having a really hard time participating. And then it's the last gift of the night, and... Um, and, and then, uh, or it's, I think I'm done, you know, like I have no more gifts. And then everyone's like, oh, there's one more. And she brings out a guitar shaped gift, which is like, oh, that's probably a guitar. And she had um, worked with a friend of ours named James Jr. to like buy me this really nice guitar. And I'm not kidding. I wasn't sick anymore. It was like, I stopped being sick. What? Yeah. I got this gift and it like hit me out of like sickness and I felt better. Like I, I, and I, I'm not kidding. I was legitimately sick. It wasn't just like in my mind, whatever, like you guys know me, I'm not a person to like be sick sick. in my mind. You know what I mean? I'm like, like, I don't just like, Oh, I don't feel good. Whatever. I was like, not, I was sick. Okay. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't just me freaking out. What? Well, you're looking kind of funny at me. (laughs) You've definitely thought you were sick when you weren't okay that's true <laughs> yeah that's true like uh yeah like like our first year here you, and you would ask johanna is like johanna am i having a stroke yeah that's right so <laughs> johanna is this pain in my neck like a heart attack yeah yeah, yeah. johanna that's like fair is my finger gonna fall off that's totally fair but i was like <laughs> feeling bad so anyway i was really feeling bad but yeah it made me better um so that was probably the best gift I've got. But there was this other gift. Can I tell you this one story too? Yeah, this yeah. is another fun one. Is I really wanted, there was this one Christmas where I really wanted this video game on the computer. Back in the day, all the video games were on the computer. Most of them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them. And there was this one game coming out called Rainbow Six. And it was classic. Classic. Revolutionary game. It was amazing. Wait, the original Rainbow the Six? The original. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. On the PC. Um, I owned it too. Yeah. For context, I have no idea what this is. And these, both of these men are 37 and I'm 24. That's true. So. And it was... They're still making Rainbow Six yeah, games. It was, okay. a, it, was oh. a, it was a. It was like a first-person shooter, but you plan your missions. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't need to get into all the greatness of this game, but um, I really wanted it. And I didn't really know what it was going to be about or whatever, but I was hoping it was going to be awesome and it lived up to the hype. But... Um, my grandma lived in the same house as us and she lived on the bottom floor and we lived on the top floor. Well, she would do all this Christmas wrapping and stuff. And I remember walking in downstairs just a couple days before Christmas. I walked in and there it was on the fireplace unwrapped. Like she was in the process of wrapping. So I, Oh my goodness, I'm not supposed to look at that, you know? And so, so I leave, but I'm thinking in my mind, Oh my goodness, I'm getting this thing. I'm so excited. You know, I'm super pumped. So, we get to Christmas Eve where we open up all our presents and then we start going around the circle. Everybody has to like, it's like everybody takes a turn 
you pass it on the next person, they take a turn, oh and we gosh. go through. And there's like something like 13 to 17 people in my family, so it's like really long time, right? So, But I'm like one of those like save the best for last kind of people. So I'm like, oh, I can tell that's the video. There's like, that's the video game, you know? So I put it at the end, you know? And then we go around. And then about like the second round, my Uncle Jeremy opens a present. No. And it is it. No. It's the game, Get Rainbow Six. And I start panicking. <laughs> I start panicking. I'm like, no way. Uh, maybe I'm not getting uh, uh, I start freaking out. So then it goes, and all of a sudden, my last place present goes to the front. And guess what? It's some cheap $5 video game, like turn-based something you've never heard some Zelda knockoff. I don't know. It's just like, oh my goodness, I would never play this game in a million years or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh no. That's so sad. And I just, and I I decided I was going to, it was a good moment for me. I decided not to freak out. I just, okay. My life is still good. I will be here tomorrow. So, I wake up the next morning. And at this point, I'm a teenager, and we didn't stop doing Santa Claus presents for a long time, an embarrassing long time in my family. I'm walking out with my little brothers. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, there's Santa Claus. And there it is, under the tree, Rainbow Six, as a present for me from Santa Claus. Whoa. So I did get it, but it was a big... It was the surprise of surprises. Such an emotional roller coaster. Oh man, for emotional! You. Wow, and that's my life. That's Christmas emotions. Lots of emotions. <laughs> um, there's two gifts. One I've I've mentioned before on this podcast. Um, uh, the first one I'll mention is not a Christmas gift, but it's honestly one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. Um, and it's a painting that a friend of mine, Taylor Norris, shout out to Taylor, who um, about four or five years ago, I was when I was at WSU, uh, we were just talking, I don't remember what and why or whatever, but she, um, she was like, Nathan, we've been friends for like a while and I've never painted you a painting. It was something, something that she's done for a number of her friends. My, my parents, actually, she came to visit years ago. Um, and she stayed with my family um, while she was visiting, and um, uh, she painted them, my parents, a painting. But she'd never given me one, and she was oh, like, man. "Oh, Nathan, like, I, I do this for all my friends." And I was like, "Oh," and I never was expecting it or anything. And she sent me a painting, and it's like amazing. That's awesome. It's this little painting that sits above my desk, and it's, and she like spent a long time. Um, thinking about like what does the Lord want to say to Nathan and all this stuff, and it is really, really a powerful um, painting for me. And I still meditate on it, and it's like God's hands like shaping what she had originally intended to be clay, but she was like, actually, I don't think it's supposed to be clay. And so it's kind of this clay-colored smoke is what it turned out to be. She doesn't. She was like, I kind of just left it. And I was like, well, smoke is like a symbol for the spirit. And so like I have all these meditations about like what is God shaping in me? And it was really, really, really important piece. I I've I put it up any everywhere I've gone. And um it's just a really wonderful piece. Um and uh the second one is also a video game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um Rainbow that Seven. I got nope. <laughs> There's there have been seven Rainbow Six games, <laughs> but I think they were like Rainbow Six Seven is just really complicated to say. Yeah, Rainbow Six Two. Rainbow what? Six Two? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's Rainbow Sixty Two. Yeah, what? Rainbow Sixty Two. What? Um, That's weird. <clears throat> but uh, there's actually a lot more to it. So, like um, one Christmas or one Christmas season, I'm going around uh, with my dad. Um, and we're buying Christmas presents. I'm probably like 15 or something like that. I don't remember how old. 14, something like that. We're going around buying Christmas presents and we're walking through a department and I was like, and I just passed a game and I was like, oh, that's Red Alert 2 
Oh. Classic, classic game. Again, Red Alert 2? No Red Alert 2. Red Alert 2, okay. So, Not Red sequel, Alert. sequel to, to Red, Red Alert. Alert. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, I was like, oh, and I just pointed it out, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that's a really good game, and I just walked on, and I didn't really think anything of it. I was just saying something and with my dad, and um, Christmas comes, and I'm opening presents, and I open a present, and it's Red Alert 2. And what was striking to me was like, it wasn't so much that the game was amazing. It was like, it was one of the few times I was like, oh, my dad actually listens to me because my dad and I don't talk very much, or at least at that time we didn't talk very much and he didn't seem to be very involved. And it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, my dad heard me. Mm. And so it was, it was more important. Like I played the game. It was really good. And it's really good. It's a really good. But it was more like important because like my dad showed it's like, no, I I actually do listen to my son and I try to buy him what he likes. Mm -hmm. And so Hmm. anyway. Uh for me, my the first one that comes to mind for me was I think I was like maybe ten or eleven and it was soon after we had moved to like the woods, like the country from Portland, Oregon, like the downtown city area and so and the, I was really interested in like getting into archery and my gift that I got soon after we moved to the woods, I think my fir- our first Christmas there was a bow and arrow. And it was like a compound bow, it was all black, it looked really sick, it was great. Um, and I took it out in the backyard and I realized it couldn't shoot more than like maybe 15 feet. Hello. <laughs> and it wasn't actually super powerful, it was meant for like a kid. But it looked really cool, and awesome. it was really neat. I, I, you know, these. I think I mentioned in the podcast. There's like these neighbor boys that I really wanted to impress, and so I brought it over to their house, and they have these like legit compound bows that are like camouflage. And I'm like standing there next to them with my little black mm-hmm. one, and their arrow go, arrows go like directly into the target. They had like this foam deer set up, <laughs> and mine went pew. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <awesome. laughs> Um, but it was still great. I got to learn a lot with that bow. Um, and then last Christmas, my sister told my parents that I really wanted AirPods. And apparently, because they were like, it was completely a surprise when I when I opened them up on Christmas morning. And that, similar to Nathan's story, I was like, wow, like my sister like really cares. That's fun. And maybe my parents had, and listens to me. And my parents might have been like, oh, Macy, like, what do you, what do you think Anna would want? Like, is there anything that she's told you? And she's like, oh, she really wants AirPods. So those have been a blessing. I really like them. That's awesome. Really like them a lot. Um, yeah, well, going into a little bit more of our topic, tell us about someone impactful in your life or a saint in our faith, in the Christian faith, that has inspired you to give um, your life generously. Um, how did they influence uh, you in in giving of yourself as a gift? So I'd I'd say um, I'm going to mention two. One really quickly. Um, one of the the stories in the Bible that was probably most influential for me about generosity and giving and what God wants from us is actually the woman who gave two coins. Um, I talk about this story a lot. Um, it's genuinely, uh, from a, just my own personal life has been just really impactful for me. Um, and the Lord really spoke to me through it and like really has, has taught me a lot through this woman. And just like the idea of like, um, I think the thing that one of the things there's many things that the woman who gave two coins um, has has told taught me, but one of them is is like God's not so interested in like the quality of the gift as much as the giver of the gift and the person's relationship to to the Lord and their faithfulness to the Lord in what they've given. Um, so the woman who gives two coins, she like gives everything that she has because she wants to honor God and all she has is two coins and so she gives gives those in comparison um, to um, 
other people who are giving that day, like they're putting in large amounts and things like that. But Jesus highlights her because she gives um, out of her poverty. She gives out of like herself and and um, rather than um, Jesus being impressed by like large amounts, he's impressed by a person who gives out of their life rather than out of like their surplus. And so that's just been, uh, it's been probably, I would say, one of the most, if not the most impactful um, story in the Bible for me, personally. There's been a number of others, but that one is, is hugely important. And I've, I've, in my own life, I've really tried to think about, it's like, it's not about how well you do, Nathan. It's about whether or not you were just trying to give what you had to give um, and giving it fully. Um the second um, person in church history is uh, Mother Teresa. Haha, <laughs> everybody probably could have guessed that. Um, <laughs> who I was reading a great deal and watching uh, interviews of a great deal last year. Um, and I still think a, a good deal about her. And one of the, she's, I think most of the Christians that I read, and I'm really appreciative for a number of Christians who and what they've said in the past but a number of christians were more focused on like hey their relationship to god and what god has to give to us which is really really important but mother Teresa really had just this mindset of like no it's what i can give back to the lord that was her that was her emphasis and she has such a she had such a beautiful idea like so the missionaries of charity which is the order of nuns and um monks that she began their their mission is actually not to care for the poor believe it or not it's actually to uh satiate the thirst of christ by caring for the poor so they they really understood it's like no this actually consoles and nourishes the lord jesus and that's why we give our lives this way and she's she she just lived such a uh, a profound life of like giving of herself um and helping others understand how to give of themselves um, and and also uh, she said something that I, really resonated with me and the woman who gave two coins of like, you know, I don't want people to give out of their surplus or their wealth. I want them to give until it hurts. And it was a really striking comment. There's a lot of things she says, but that that's one that comes to mind right now is like this idea of like it's maybe not generosity unless it hurts, unless it's actually a sacrifice on our part. And I'm like... And that's been really impactful for me in thinking about, like, you know, am I giving because this makes me just feel good? Or am I giving something that I really, like, am holding on to and would rather, like, keep for myself? Am I willing to give even though I know the consequence is quite painful to me? And, um, yeah, Mother Mother Teresa, her emphasis just being, like, what what she can give and not so much, like... God's attitude toward her or or anything like that. And in fact, she felt a very strong sense of God's absence most of her most of her faith, most of her time on earth um, and wanting God to give more. And then she came to realize that she was actually probably in her suffering. She actually was maybe closer to the Lord than many had been because she was relating to him through his suffering and his longing and desire for the poor and caring for the poor. It's a really, really, she's just a really, really powerful thinker, I think, and a really powerful believer. I think that's a better way to put it, not thinker. So It's interesting because, like, I think, like, Nathan's totally right, like, uh, the giving of sacrifices, so, um, you know, sacrificial giving like giving even though it hurts it really communicates like a care and things um what's interesting is like i would say like uh like god kind of like uh it's changed like i i I, like kind of as a counterpoint to nathan's thing like the mystery tension of Mm. what's it called what you know the two opposite sides or whatever What's that? Dichotomy. The dichotomy. The paradox. Whatever. Yeah, the dichotomy. So on the other yeah. side of that paradox, I would say, you know, who I would think of would be like some. The person I was going to say was probably uh, Saint Patrick. Mm-hmm. So you know, Saint Patrick was a. 
he was actually me and my family we celebrate St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day every year like pretty like kind of intensely not like like we don't like you know dress up like leprechauns or anything but we like retell the whole like story and stuff um wait leprechauns aren't christian no anyway yeah so i was let's kind of curious going. it was more that was more of an irish yeah it's an irish, irish thing homage. which which saint patrick you know he went to ireland he so went that, to ireland but, yes but i'm pretty sure they're of pagan origin yeah i've never met a christian leprechaun You've met leprechauns. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so, but kind of oh, going back to the main point here, Nathan, sorry <laughs> to interrupt you, but we got to get back to the point. Um, so, but kind of like getting back to it. So St. Patrick was actually, he was kidnapped as a slave. Um, and this is what we go over. We go over this every St. Patrick's Day. So he was captured as a slave, taken to Ireland. Then he went back. He, he escaped and he, the Lord like, grabbed his life as in the midst of his escape escape from slavery and then he did a lot of wandering came back became a priest in england and then asked to be um given this missionary post to ireland and nobody was there and so because he was this priest going to ireland he became a bishop he became the bishop of ireland because there's no nobody there no christians there and so um but the you know, he had a really successful thing, and a lot of times when we talk about him, we talk about his success in Ireland and the things he accomplished. But was the most striking about and most instructive to me about, about St. Patrick was that he left behind, like he, he decided, I want to give the gift of Christ to Ireland. But he did not expect, he did not, like have the expectation that he would like there was no part of his own life that he would like not abandon to become more Irish mm. like he decided that when he went to Ireland he would speak Irish he would he would take on their languages he would live he his the way he would share his faith and the way he, who he became he became like them and he didn't he didn't try to impose you know the english or the roman christian church on them and actually a huge conflict formed as a result of it because down the road the irish became very strong very prominent but they had a lot of different um ways of living because irish because um uh, patrick came and he shared um this vision of christ and they built a whole we call it ecclesiology or a church structure that was more built on the Irish way of living rather than the Roman church. Mm-hmm. And they had this actually huge kind of knockdown fight in the sixth century where the Roman church actually shut down Irish Christianity and or um, the, the structure, the of structure Irish. of Irish. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were yeah. all considered the same church, but they said, actually, you got to stop doing things that way because we're a Roman church. And so, um, which in, in a lot of ways is very sad. Um, but, but Patrick said, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this people and I want to share the gift of Christ with these people. And in himself, he stopped being who he was and he decided to become like the people he was ministering to. And he abandoned like his expectations or his, like, um, I don't know, his privileges or his, his rights and he said i'm going to become irish and so he stopped being of the culture he was and he he became a new culture and i think that and you know he didn't do that begrudgingly he didn't like you know he wouldn't have i don't think he would have called it a sacrifice he would have said that was a joy like he joyfully took on a new type of thing and and so you know that was very instructive to me i don't really I mean, I know I talk about basketball a lot, talk about LeBron James a lot, but um, before I moved to Oregon, I never followed basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, I followed mm-hmm. football. But I actually, before I followed football, I didn't follow anything. And I started following football because um, I saw that, like, my students really liked football. So it was like a choice to mm-hmm. enjoy what the people around me enjoy, you know, and. And then not, like, try to be like, well, I don't really like this, you know, I'm not going to do this. But it was that Patrick sense of things, like, 
I, I want to jump into the world of the people around me and that's going to change my personality maybe a little bit. That's going to change who I am, but I'm going to choose appropriately. I mean, we can't just totally like, we don't want to become somebody we're not, mm-hmm. but at the same time, choosing to, to give of ourselves and get into things mm-hmm. that people around us are into because we love them and mm-hmm. giving ourselves and our attention and, 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 and connecting with them on a level that's really powerful. So I would say that was really instructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something I would just say about St. <clears throat> Patrick, someone else um, who's more recent, actually, if you guys wanted to read um, someone similar to St. Patrick is uh, Hudson Taylor, who went to China and he was English and he dressed Chinese and he grew a beard out like the Chinese and very, very adopted that culture's way of living. But one of the things that's really interesting is what Christian is not saying is not like the abandonment of Christian identity. It's like the realization that like my cultural identity is actually not my identity. My like identity in Christ is the foundation. And it's one of the tensions in Christian life is like my American culture whatever culture I was brought up in, whatever like mishmash of cultures I, I identify with is actually not my Christian identity. And my, my, my cultural identity is something I can actually give up mm-hmm. and then share in someone else's identity or cultural identity so that I can share the true identity of Christ and the true Imago Dei that we have. And so it's just a really, it's a really, really powerful aspect of the Christian faith is actually to surrender one's cultural self, ethnic self, um, in order to, in order to, um, share the deeper identity of Christ that we have. And it's, but it's actually, and I'm just going to say, it's a really hard thing to discover the separation between those two. And it's something I would say the three of us have all had to work through and things like that. But anyway, I just wanted to say it takes like maturity and Mm -hmm. discernment and time. Yeah. But you know, I went to school at Western, which is a four year liberal arts school. And then I went to Skagit Valley college, which is a, you know, a community college. That's a very different way of living. And so I had to stop being Western Washington had to be Mm -hmm. like Skagit Valley college. And then I come to OSU, which is actually Vastly different from mm-hmm. both of those places. Mm-hmm. And we have to speak different. We have to be different. And we have to love different things. And but not but at the same time not compromising the gospel. The gospel or who God's mm-hmm. made us. We that that's the core of who we are. But the mm-hmm. rest but some of the other things that oh, I can change that. I can mm-hmm. I can get into physics. <laughs> 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 you know, or I can love physics, you know, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I can computers go computers you know um, i don't know if i fully believe that <laughs> we all know you too well <laughs> um and 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 just also sharing this this is very much in line with what paul says in i can't remember which which epistle it is but he says you know i'm a jew to the jews i'm a That's greek right. to the greeks yeah. um i and like he he basically is saying like i can become like those i'm ministering to but we all know that Paul never left Christ in any place that he went. In fact, he, because he became a Greek to the Greeks, he could bring the gospel to those places. And because he was a Jew to the Jews, he could bring the gospel to those places. So anyway, I'm sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I just felt that was good. That's okay. I think what a theme I'm hearing from all these stories is, you know, we got these material possessions as Christmas gifts, and they did speak a lot of love to us, and we got some enjoyment out of them. Um, they might even make our lives easier, but it sounds like, from what Nathan and Christian have been sharing so far, the opportunity that we have to give of ourselves, and like when these people, when these saints gave of themselves, all of Ireland got to hear about Jesus, mm-hmm. and yeah. all of these poor people were able to be loved mm-hmm. unconditionally. Um, and that stretches far into Nathan's life. It's reached into Nathan's heart and touched his heart. And um, St. Patrick has 
his story has woven his way, not into just Christian's life, but into his kid's life as well. Um, so I think that's really is speaks to the power of like us giving of ourselves and mm-hmm. knowing where our strength comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, last night at our fellowship, I led worship and I showed up at the Friday night and I was like, Lord, I can't, like, I don't have the strength to do this. And it was amazing. Like, as I was walking through the doors, the Lord was like, Anna, this is an opportunity for me to shine through you. And Christian told me afterwards, like, oh, that was like the best time, like you've led worship. And I was like, it's because I wasn't relying on myself because there was someone beyond me that was reaching inside of me Mm -hmm. and was working through me that made that possible Mm -hmm. because I wasn't focused on my own strength and focus on myself. Um, and so, uh, I think for me, um, someone that's been really impactful, um, and like reached into my life, uh, this is a lot more recent. Um, but my roommate, Erin, I just, we just recorded her podcast earlier this morning and, um, she personally has gone through a lot of physical pain and she's gone through a lot of um, hurt and wrestling. And she, even through that, um, she, she sought the Lord and the Lord spoke to her, um, saying that he was with her. And now to think where she's at, um, she's here at OSU. She's giving her life um, to reach students for Christ. And I just am blown away by her generosity um, with the people around her and with me. Um, even when she's tired, like I walk in the door and she's like, Hey, Anna, how's your day? Um, just simple things like that have been, when I, when I re- first read our first question, <clears throat> like, what's the best gift you've ever received? Um, I was going to say like, Aaron, she's been, mm. um, if I, if I could have said a person, like I wanted us to <clears throat> share material possessions because I wanted to help us talk about, oh, let me make this point, like, um, that material possessions can speak love. Um, but I think I'm just really thankful that the first thing I thought of was like, oh, this person Mm -hmm. was a gift to me. Mm -hmm. This person has impacted my life, who they are and who they've allowed themselves to become, Mm -hmm. um, has been a greater gift than any material possession I, I possess or could ever possess. Um, That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. So let's move on to this last question. Um, transitioning into talking about the Christmas story. Uh, there's many people in the Christmas story that choose to act generously in giving of themselves. Um, there's Jesus, <laughs> uh, Mary, Joseph, the wise men. Um, then there's also our... What's the name for a bad guy? A villain? The villain. Is it Herod? Yeah. Herod. Yeah, yeah he's the villain. Um, so anyways, we're thinking about this story. I hope we all know the Christmas story pretty well, but if you don't, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but what wisdom can we glean from these characters about giving of ourselves? I think one thing I think about with, um, at least with Jesus in particular, and also, I think it also applies to Mary and Joseph in, in a little bit more of an indirect way, that generosity is not always accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, like something I realized some years ago is that the nature of grace is for it to be abused. Uh, the nature of uh, things being given is to be uh, misused. And one of the things I think about, like with, as you brought up Herod, there's this guy who the gift of Christ is actually for Herod as well. Mm-hmm. And he is like, I do not want that gift. And in fact, I'm going to try to take it from the rest of the world. Yeah. And because the, because God is powerful, um, because God is like determined, more determined than any man on earth to be kind and generous he ensured that christ would be born and that christ would grow up 
But ultimately, um, Jesus being born and growing up was ultimately going to result in Jesus being sacrificed, which is again a grace being abused. A grace being a kindness, an act of generosity being misused. And so one of the things that, and like thinking about Mother Teresa and thinking about the woman who gave two coins, there's this level of like, we have to expect in being generous, in giving of ourselves, that it's not always going to be received by the one we give it to, give our offering it to. And that's actually something that was really important for me with the woman who gave two coins is like, the focus is actually the fact that Jesus is pleased about the coins mm-hmm. that are given. And one of the things, the nuances of that story is the fact that very likely there's an audience watching this woman give those two coins and they're probably not thinking much of this woman's gift. And in fact, there's even a possibility that they're scorning the woman who gives it. And really the focus though is, is like Jesus says, And Jesus goes as far as to say, like, hey, disciples, come to me, and I need to show you that that woman knows how to give. It it becomes like a moment of teaching for Jesus. And it's so very powerful, that woman's story, because she's probably scorned and overlooked by so many people. But Jesus is like, no, this woman, we need to like immortalize this woman's gift. Mm-hmm. And she's included in two of the gospels and she's only given two or three verses, three, four verses in each of those gospels. And Jesus is like, this woman's gift is so vastly important that we need to remember it. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful, but it's not loved. It's not wanted oftentimes by earthly beings, but it is seen and honored by our God above. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. Yeah. I think in line with what you're saying, Nathan, about the gift of God, and I I think, um, you know, in our material world, like, you know, in my family, like, man, a lot of the way we showed love was by giving gifts. Like, so, I mean, it was a huge... Christmas was huge and people just are given a crazy amount of gifts. And, um, and a lot of it is like about, I really value you. I really care about you. And, um, and I think I, I love this. There's this Ray Charles song that he wrote originally. He wrote it himself and, um, or I think he did. He, he was the only one who played it. So he either wrote it or he got somebody else to write it. But, um, anyway, Ray, but he sings in this song, he says, um, Christmas time, he sings something kind of counter thought, like, because so much of our Christmas time stuff is like about generosity, giving, caring. And um, Ray Charles in his song says, at one point, he says, Christmas time is so much more than giving. And he says, Christmas time is all about receiving. It's like, what? This is like, sounds kind of selfish. He says, it's all about receiving the gift of God that came down from up above. And it's this moment of, actually, Christmas is about the gift that God gave to humanity. And it's about us receiving that gift. Mm. And it's about saying the ultimate Christmas present is Christ. And there is a response for us to have. And it is to give back. But ultimately, there's this, do I accept the gift of Christ? And that to me, when I heard that Ray Charles song, which Ray Charles isn't particularly known for his spiritual songs, you know, um, but it was like, man, that is a powerful insight that this is really about receiving the gift of Jesus. And um, yeah, so that was, um, when I think about what you were saying, it, it hits me there. And I think in response, we do give, and I, I think a couple of weeks ago, I even in a, a different podcast, just recently I shared about this idea of giving, like in a, in a lot of, in the Western culture, you know, we want to give gifts unattached. Like we don't want to give with the sense of receiving something back. But in, you know, ancient Near East culture where Jesus is from, and even in many parts of the world today, if you 
if somebody comes and gives you a gift, they expect you to give a gift back. And it's not because they want a gift. It's because they gave you a gift because they want to start a relationship with you. Yeah. And receiving back a gift in kind is a statement of we're in a relationship. We care about each other. You know, and so what what Jesus, what God has done for us is he's given us this gift of Jesus and he's invited us. The gift is an invitation to relationship and an in-kind gift would be to give of ourselves back. And um, and when we give ourselves back to him, he says, ah, oh, we're, we're in a relationship now. But there's this, there's this, it's this amazing Christmas giving that's going on, like, I've given you a great Christmas present. What are you going to give me? Not because God's like, I don't have anything. I really want a good present. He's just, I, w- I want you to give me a present because I want us to be in a relationship together. And I just, anyway, I just mm. love that part of the, the Christmas story. Sounds like what you're saying, Christian, is like, it sounds like a relationship is like, relationship is like the king of all gifts. It is, yeah. It's like, the biggest gift we can give someone. I'm I, referencing back to Aaron's testimony again. If you haven't listened to it yet, go ahead and do it. It's amazing um, what she shares. But she talks about how her parents at Christmas time ha- there was less um, gifts around the Christmas tree because there were so many medical bills mm-hmm. that they were having to pay for her life to be maintained oh. and to try to figure out what was going on with her health. And um, I just think about that. I'm like, wow. They saw that Erin and her life and their relationship with her was more important Mm -hmm. than those gifts around the Christmas tree. And that her sitting by the Christmas tree and being there with them was more important. Um, And I just thought that was a beautiful image of, of gifts. Yeah, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think too I think about the Magi and you know Nathan was talking about Herod not giving and then you're talking about the the key of relationship like Herod was not really the king right Herod was just kind of this like because Rome was over Israel but Herod was given this like puppet control like like all right you run this like how we say and then you can be in charge but he wasn't really in control but um, but he didn't want to give up any control. Like, and he saw Jesus as a threat because he was this foretold king, and so he, the king of Israel, this the one who's supposed to steward God's people, rejects the coming king. He rejects the God who may establish this people. There's this huge rejection. But then you think about these three wise men, these three magi's. We thought we call them the three kings. They were people from another people. They were they weren't Israelites. They were foreigners from different lands. They weren't even like Jewish. They didn't know God, but from looking at um, things in the stars and you know from their religion, God was gracious to say, "Hey, I, through all your pagan rituals and through astrology, I'm showing you that I am God," mm-hmm. and it was a way that that different the different like sorcerers and stuff were like, whoa, there's a real big spiritual event happening. And it was a way of bringing people that were searching for God and in bad ways to come back to him. And so you have these idolaters, you have these sorcerers, you have these foreigners from other places and they come with these amazing gifts to give to the Christ child because they want to be in a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, but the king of the country that God established rejects Jesus. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's an, that's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, just to give a little bit more, um, just some more details to that. Like, you compare Herod, who doesn't even have to leave his home yeah. in order to meet Jesus, the Magi are actually probably there or also called the three kings. Like they're like, I'm leaving my home country. I'm leaving my domain 
and the distance in which they traveled probably took close to a year in order to get to from where they were to Bethlehem. So they they literally spend an entire year traveling just to Bethlehem. And to get back to their home country, they have to spend a whole year getting back. And they're just like, we see so much value in knowing this king that is to come, who's going to bring us closer to the God of the universe, that we're willing to sacrifice the earthly wealth that we've built for ourselves, that we've been given by um, man, uh, we're willing to leave our home place for a year, for two years, and maybe they weren't very confident if they would even arrive because it's such a long journey and they had to travel through a desert um, in order to get there. And they're just like, no, that's that's so important. But Herod isn't even willing to leave his, his, um, his, He's not even willing to go like 30 miles to Bethlehem. I don't know how far it was from Herod's place, but it's not far comparatively. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten there in a day or two, probably. In, yeah. in less than a day. I think it's, Bethlehem's pretty close to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And so he's not willing to do that, but yeah. they're willing to sacrifice two years of their life. Yeah. Just to be well, and risking possibly even their, their kingdom. Yeah. Because it's like... Our ruler is gone. The ruler of my, of the kingdom is gone. Yeah, or their privileges. They're, and one thing that's more striking is they show up to uh, Jerusalem, and they actually ask Herod, "Hey, we saw the this guy's star, and we're following the star. Where is the king to be born?" Like mm-hmm. they actually don't know where they're going. Mm. They don't have a destination. They don't. They show up and they ask the king, and the king's like. Well, I don't know. So he asked the priests and stuff. Like the king doesn't even know. He's not looking, you know. Um, and the, the priests say, oh, in Bethlehem. And so he, he told them to go to Bethlehem. And then it says the star led them further. So um, I don't exactly know. I can't picture exactly what that means, mm-hmm. that they were following the star. But but it's clear they had no, they were just, they were just following the revelation of God with no clear end sight. Mm-hmm. They had no idea where they were going. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew where they were going, but they didn't. They didn't know when it was going to end. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes me think of Aaron's story again. Just how like she and her family didn't know like when her sickness was going to end, but they were willing each Christmas to not have as many gifts around the around the tree. And I think about how her mom in kind with Mary, I guess, in the, in the Christmas story, um, for 18 plus years nurtured and took care of Aaron so that she could be eventually a gift to me. And I actually get to go to Aaron's house, um, for some of the holidays. And I'm just like, I just want to give your mom a hug because your mom is the reason, a big, 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 big reason why you're here today and you get your life gets to bless mine and um same thing with mary she she realized that jesus needed to be cared for and maintained and and seen and clothed and fed um, so that he could continue to be a gift to those around him and i think sometimes when we give of ourselves we don't realize like the long-term effects of just the little things that we that we do for those around us and we when we take care of those that god has entrusted to us yeah well mary and joseph you know like you're saying like you know they didn't like you're saying they cared for them and Mm -hmm. she had to put up like you know she's pregnant before she's married and then Mm -hmm. joseph and her both had to take on that public shame or that public Mm Like disapproval, and they're probably always look. Everyone's probably looking at them like, "Oh, they jumped the gun, huh? They aren't. They weren't able to hold out to the end, you know." And um, so that their character was seen as deficient. But both Mary and Joseph chose to see Jesus as this gift instead. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm willing to take the the shame or whatever because Jesus is the real gift. And 
very similar to like Aaron, you know, like choosing to say, Aaron is a gift. And I'm, you know, it, you know, I, I haven't listened to her testimony yet, like that mm-hmm. part, but I don't think her mom was like, yeah, you're worth it ish. You know what I mean? She didn't like, she didn't do all that stuff with this attitude of, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. You should know we don't have Christmas presents because of you, but it's worth it. You know what I mean? Like it was, there was a joy. Like she really meant there was a joy, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any final thoughts about Christmas? I guess if we just want to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Joy un Noel. Happy New Year. Happy what does that mean? Jo- <laughs> Happy Christmas. Yeah. In oh. French. Oh, cool. Awesome. It's not that we didn't know what it meant. It was more like, what language was that, I think? I ah, was like, yes. Feliz Navidad. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Spanish. Joel Noel. It's like, what What the heck is this? <laughs> it's uh, French. I don't really know any French other than that, those two phrases, because I love Christmas. I'm glad you love Christmas. Bon Natal. <laughs> that's Italian. That's Italian. Well, neat. Well, I think I think that's it for today, friends. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We hope that you are able to step into your Christmas season, um, being a gift to your families. Um, Please know that we as your Chi Alpha Campus pastors are committed to walking with you as you navigate what a healthy relationship um, with generosity looks like. Uh, So go ahead, unbuckle your seatbelts and step out to see what God has in store for you. And remember, our gifts are seen and honored by God above. Mm